Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture in films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. I feel like I have to burp. <clears throat> there it is. I got them. Okay. I guess I just had to clear my throat. <laughs> Apparently. That's, that's my um, hey, Andrew, how are you? How are you doing? pretty good. How about you, man? I'm doing all right, man. I'm, uh, it's the Oscars are tonight and I'm not watching them. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was a thing. I haven't gone out of my hole in the last few days. Oh, that's fair. Oh, yeah. yeah. My trash I, can, um, you know. Well, <laughs> my trash can um yeah so hi everybody welcome to sorry that was such a random like way for me to start this hi everybody welcome to uh 1986 welcome to the top gun episode i am i'm very thrilled to be doing this movie for a multitude of reasons uh and it's actually one of the main reasons is why andrew's here you may have noticed he's not Lindsay. uh, if you have i'm not I I know I need to check, but I'm pretty gonna figure that. it out. I'll call her and find out if this is really you. But okay, um, yeah. So Lindsay is taking a sabbatical, and by sabbatical I mean she's just got a shitload of stuff going on. And I gave her an out today to not listen to me and Andrew geek out for two hours. It's not even going to be two hours. Um, about the military, <laughs> basically. Yeah, get it. Um, but this is. This is this movie is like right up me and Andrew's alley. Like we talk about this shit all the time, constantly. It's actually really annoying. It really kind of is. Like you would have thought with the shit that we know and the shit that we talk about, we would have joined the military. Well, and so Andrew, I'll let you give a little bit of a background about it, because um, it is. I I do want to know like why I want everyone to know like why you're here. Um, okay. What is what is your military background? So, uh, just for clarification, I personally do not have a military background. I've never served, uh, nor have I. Yeah. So it's not one of those stolen honor things. I've never served. Uh, my brother, uh, was, uh, a, uh, corpsman, uh, an FMF combat corpsman for six years. Uh, he just recently got out. Let's go. Mad shout out to Luke, by the way. Uh, yeah. Good kid. Um, kind of a dumbass, but good kid. He's my little brother. I I have to hate him. You have to, you got to hit him with it, dude. But, um, no, my grandpa served. Um, I am not going to be very specific just because I don't want to. No, I mean, that's a touchy but, subject. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but my grandpa served and won some very large and important um, medals for his uh, service in Vietnam. Uh, he flew helicopters, specifically the Huey, uh, on for uh, medical re- uh, you know, resupply and various right. things like that. Some gun missions, but it was mostly for, uh, you know, transporting people in out. Uh, he was in the Battle of Yadrang. He was in uh, some other relatively, you know, well-known battles. If you do know Vietnamese history, uh, well, not Vietnamese history, but the history of Vietnam. Can I interrupt you and ask a kind of? I feel like this is going to be like a stupid question, but absolutely. All your questions are stupid. So, I know. <laughs> you should be on here more often. Thank you so much for this. Um, so when you say he he was in the battle, like did he see? And you don't have you can be as vague as you want about this, but did he see combat? 
Uh, he did indeed. So um, his he actually had to go through several helicopters because his helicopters kept uh, getting so damaged that he needed a new one. Uh, he was shot down once. This was a separate incident, but he was shot down and then was back up to flying because he's a crotchety old bastard. And even <laughs> when he was young, he was still a crotchety old bastard and refused to die. So uh, just one of those things. Um, but, it, you know, to continue, my brother, uh, I have another brother. He um, was in West Point for a while. He did not end up graduating. Um, oh, okay. My dad actually was in West Point for a while, but he I had to that. medically uh, drop out because he blew out a disc in his back because he's a dumbass Ooh. and wasn't wearing a belt when he was lifting weights. So Rough. if anybody's listening, if you need to wear a weight belt, yeah. wear a belt. <laughs> if you learn anything from this episode, it's the PSA about proper workout techniques. Yeah. Wear a fucking weight belt. <laughs> but, uh, no. So my family's essentially, if you're not in the medical field, you are, uh, in the military, I will eventually be working for the government. Um, assuming that, uh, I can, you know, find a way out of that, my trash can. It was difficult today. It took it maybe like an hour to get my way out of my trash can, but it did happen. The only reason I got, I even got up is because we celebrated my mom's birthday today. So, uh, I, I don't know why that was like a segue of some sort. It really wasn't, but happy birthday, early birthday to my mom. Um, I'm sorry that I had to leave dinner early, but, um, I figured you'd enjoy the shout out. Yeah. Happy birthday. Scott's mom. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's awesome, dude. I don't, um, I don't have like, I have, so like my best friend, Matt, uh, was in the army reserves. Um, his father-in-law is still active Navy. I believe it's Navy. I don't, I'll let him tell that story some other time. Uh, my grandfather was in the Navy. Um, actually both my grandfathers, were in the Navy, but my uncle's in the Navy for a very long time. He was, uh, God, dude, I'm going to oversimplify this, but he's like a mechanical engineer. Um, but he's dude, he's like, he easily, he is the smartest person on the planet. Shout out to, to, to me. Like he is the smartest person I know, like in my wheelhouse of people <laughs> but no we are here to talk about top gun top I do gun guys things. oh yeah and that's that's really the only reason you're here it wasn't the last Indeed. 10 minutes um yeah so top gun uh directed by tony scott this military feast for the eyes and ears because andrew and i are also huge lovers of sound mixing Indeed. um was written by jack epps jr and jim cash and i actually didn't know this until i started doing research research for this but it was inspired 19 it's 1986 so this was three years before in an article in the california that was written by ehud yone titled top guns in the article ehud showcased the life and times of fighter pilots living at miramar air base which was aptly named fighter town usa i've actually been there before it's pretty fucking cool um like you need a reminder but this movie stars tom cruise as the dangerously talented peep maverick mitchell it also showcases the chops of Val Kilmer as Tom Iceman Kazansky, Anthony Edwards before he did his long ass stint on ER as Nick Goose Bradshaw, and the relatively unknown Kelly McGillis as Charlotte Charlie Blackwood. Now, if there's literally anybody out there who has never seen this movie, let me give you a brief plot. I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't, but... So this movie actually has a very tough plot to define. And it's yeah. it's honestly because there isn't really a linear story to this. But as I could piece it together, the plot is 
Presented with the opportunity of a lifetime, naval aviators and best friends Maverick and Goose embark on a strenuous nail-biting training program known as Top Gun, where they'll face more than just G-forces and rival pilots pining for the top spot. Like, that's... There really isn't, like, a major... And I think the main point of this, the, the main reason that there can't be a plot, is usually the plot talks about the villain in some point. This movie is extremely careful to not tell you who the bad guys in the mig 28s are yeah you know it's one of two countries you can imply it's one of two countries but everybody knows it's the soviets like, it totally <laughs> is yeah you kind of have to know it yeah well i mean and we didn't even send them migs like or migs they didn't have jets like that but anyway we'll get into that later um as always, because I, I love you guys, you can actually, ju- you, it just got loaded onto Netflix. So this is the first movie in a while that you haven't had to rent other than Black Cauldron because Disney Plus. But you know what, Andrew? Let's jump into the timeline. Let's get it. The year is 1986. For historical context, this is another thing that Andrew and I have discussed numerous fucking times. <laughs> this is actually a very tragic year in history. Yeah. 1986 just fucking sucked. The most notable, the two most notable, and because we have a couple movies in 1986, I'm going to save a couple other things. So I'm going to discuss these two. But the most notable thing is 1986 is when the Chernobyl disaster occurred. So the nuclear power plant Chernobyl exploded due to a combination of poor design, structural flaws, and major human miscalculations. I have a lot to say about that, but I'm going to save it for you if you guys do the Chernobyl miniseries. I, I want to. am a freak about knowing everything about Chernobyl. Like, oh, dude, me too. is like top of my list. But yeah, I mean, this is still considered the most catastrophic nuclear accident in mankind's history. I have to emphasize to date. I just, I, it sucks that I have to, but I, I have, to. have to say that. I know. Oh, you do. <laughs> but additionally, because I did say there were two on here, and this one is a lot closer to Andrew's heart, I feel. Additionally, we saw the horrendous explosion of the space shuttle Challenger, which took place a mere 73 seconds after the shuttle had launched, Brutal. wherein it killed the entirety of its seven man crew and would go down as, still to this day, the most destructive and fatal crash in nasa history um but on a little bit of a lighter note tonight is the oscars like we said we're not watching um but as far as oscar nods go top gun was actually nominated for four total uh four total awards uh it was nominated for best film editing best original song with take my breath away this is that's actually the only thing it won for too which is weird um best my notes oh best sound and best sound effects editing um top grossing movie was top gun top gun actually came in first in 1986 top grossing race with 179.8 million here's what's so insane to me though dude crocodile dundee barely missed the top spot by 5 million in the grand that's scheme, so wild dude i know in the grand scheme of movies that's actually not that fucking much no it's really not 
Um, but as far as the timeline, the last thing is, as always, sequels and remakes. <clears throat> Thank God this movie has never been remade. But yeah, we do have a sequel coming, Top Gun Maverick, which is set to release on May 27th <laughs> after being re- delayed for the last three years. This was supposed to come out in 2019, even before using the pandemic as an excuse existed. <laughs> you get it, you get it. Let's get into the movie. Let's go right into the movie. Can I just make one statement about this movie? Absolutely. Please. Why the fuck is everyone so sweaty? Oh my god, dude. Literally the whole movie, I it's my number one note at the beginning of my notes is why the fuck is everyone so sweaty? It's literally every scene they're glistening. And I'm like, and these are not small drops of sweat, okay? It's like they've been running for like 10 miles. It looks like there's no there's no central air conditioning in any of these buildings no, whatsoever. No, they could be like inside in a classroom just sitting there and they're just coated in sweat. Yeah. You would and think I'm it's like, a Michael Bay movie. Dude, I know, but it's like a, it's so much worse because it's like, dude, I'm sorry. I understand there's it's in Miramar. It's, you know, it's hot. It's the new Top Gun schools in Fallon, which is even hotter if you you know, I know why I don't yeah well I but, mean so right after this movie came out in the early 90s that entire school got demolished and rebuilt for housing yeah it got moved to Fallon Nevada which if anybody's from Nevada uh like my family is you know that is uh really in the middle of nowhere but you know it's in the middle of nowhere for a reason they need a lot of airspace to you know do a lot of that training and frankly California does not have that airspace so it makes sense no unless you're all open water but even still like yeah, well, I mean, and like, and we see it later, but you have the Coast Guard to go out and get them. But so, I personally feel, and I know Andrew agrees with me because we talk about this all the time. But the fighter jets in this movie are the real stars of the show. Oh yeah. Well, and so that was the thing. Like, so the Pentagon gave Tony Scott permission to make this movie, and. It cost the studio $10,000 every time a plane took off that they were filming. Absolutely nuts. It's insane to me. It And everybody knows the story. Well, if you're, if you're pop culture fans, everybody knows the story about how Tony Scott um, had to ask the captain of the USS Enterprise to turn the ship because the sun was in a glare spot and he couldn't film properly. And the captain said it would cost them $35,000 to turn the ship or delay their course. So Tony Scott literally pulled his checkbook out and wrote him a check for $35,000. Dude. And I think this relates to another fun fact about Tony Scott. He got fired three times making this movie. Yeah, he did. So, and almost all of it was for going over budget. It was also fun fact that check that he wrote bounced. dude oh my god i love it dude i mean it comes you can see it though like you can for a movie made in 1986 now i give scott and i differ in the sense that i don't give as much leeway to older movies in regards to how they look if they don't hold together like uh if it's realistic shit like this i'm gonna be less judgmental but nah, if it's I'm shit like picky. 
Well, like, I, yeah, I guess you kind so of are. In the sense that, like, 80s movies to me don't, you know, I'm not an 80s kid, right? I mean, even right. you're not, Scott. You're more 90s kids here. Yeah. But, like, it's, I don't hold that, like, nostalgia thing for the 80s and 70s. So if a movie looks like shit, to me, it looks like shit. Like, a perfect example is I am a huge space nerd, right? So everybody asks if I love 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think it looks like shit. I think I there too. are a lot of like really cool aspects to it, but I think it looks like garbage and I'm just not interested in it. But that said, the reason I bring this up is because I actually think Top Gun holds up. I mean, it looks good. Like you, the shots of the carrier, the shots of the planes, the action itself really does hold up. It looks good, mm-hmm. which I, and like I said, I don't give leeway. So to me, I went into this expecting it to kind of look like shit and it didn't it looks great oh i know the only the only part that they used like general actual like cgi there's really two that stood out to me is the inversion scene um is cgi and then when they spin out after the jet wash when they're spinning out there when it actually shows the yeah that looked like shit that looked weird well, the other thing that automatically stood out to me was the gunfire. Yeah. That looked like shit, but the, we had to be able to see the bullets when quote right. switching to guns, but you guys have to understand they don't sound like that. Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> so like we said, the real stars of the show are the jets. And so obviously front and center, uh, we find ourselves constantly within the cockpit of a then powerhouse in the Naval Aviation Branch, the F-14 Tomcat. The pilot or the plane was piloted by a captain and his Rio. They say it a couple times, but they don't really ever explain it. So this is it, this is a lot of this is going to be kind of like explanation for you guys. A Rio, R-I-O, is a radar intercept officer. That's what Goose was. That's what Wolfman was. That's what uh, Merlin was. Um, the aircraft was the height of power in the Navy from 1974, where it was first deployed all the way to 2000 before it was eventually retired in 2006 in the, when the U S replaced it with one of my personal favorites, the FA 18 EF super Hornet from Boeing. Beautiful. I fucking love those things. I actually, you know what I really appreciate about the Tomcat is the, uh, changing wing profile. That is like you. Like, you do see that to some degree on certain modern planes, but it's it's really clear in the F-14. And you'll notice it, and I actually, I'm curious as to how many people watch that movie and were like, wait a minute, that looks weird. Because it's there are planes, planes where, it's, yeah, it, they look like two different planes. Mm-hmm. Because it'll have its wings fully extended, and it almost looks like a B-2. And then there'll be scenes where they're fully down, and it just looks like a flying V. And it is, they're beautiful planes. I mean, they're magnificent. I'm actually trying to remember, and I believe the only time that we see it, God, what is it? It's combat mode, right? Well, it just depends on speed, generally. Um, As far as I'm aware, it's lift capacity. So really, it's more about how much lift it needs. I'm pretty sure the only time that we see that with the wings fully open is the final gunfight. Even when they're training, they're closed. I think the takeoffs are generally pretty wings open. Oh, that's um, true. That's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. Right. Because they need the lift. But I didn't make note of it or anything like that. But I just, just noticed that remember, they yeah. look almost like completely different planes. And it's just wild. Like, I 
I think it's a beautiful aircraft. I think, um, yeah, I'm really happy that the Pentagon actually allowed them to use these aircraft. They obviously had, did it for selfish reasons. They wanted recruitment, but it, well, yeah, beautiful, you know, scenes. I I'm a huge fan of the USS enterprise as well. Um, you know, Andrew has more info on that, which is the, yeah, we should have said it earlier, but it's the aircraft carrier that the majority of the active duty scenes take place on. Right. Um, but Andrew knows a lot more about that. I'll let Andrew tell you guys about it. Do you want me to do that now? Or we yeah, go for it. Go for it. Cause after this, I'm just going to jump right into the tigers. So the USS enterprise was, uh, well, it's weird because it is and was. And here's the weird thing. So the USS Enterprise is actually a name for a shitload of ships. So we've essentially always had a USS Enterprise on the ocean pretty much at all times since, uh, I mean, our inception as a military. Country. I mean, yeah. since the 1700s, there is a USS Enterprise that was, you know, propelled by sails and had cannons on it. And That's um, so dope. You know, it's essentially been, um, and if I remember correctly, it's that was salvaged and is still somewhere out there. I don't remember if I'm wrong about that. Um, I apologize. But the specific one we're looking at was uh, CVN-65. So that's its official designation rather than just the USS Enterprise. It is currently decommissioned. We do have a new, a new Enterprise that's about to be going out. Uh, it's supposed to be launched in 2028. Um, the... Actual Enterprise was decommissioned that we're speaking of in the movie was decommissioned in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, it saw combat in one of its first missions. And this is wild to me because I didn't know this. One of its first missions was actually during the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was there. It posted up and because uh, it actually got officially deployed on um, June 25th, 1961. Also, it was the first nuclear powered uh, aircraft carrier. Also, to cut to fill you back in on your first USS Enterprise, it was a seventy-ton sloop that debuted in May of ten May tenth of seventeen seventy-five and was decommissioned slash destroyed on July seventh, seventeen seventy-seven by Sh by Colonel Benedict Arnold to avoid Bastard. being captured by the British. It operated on Lake Champlain and was part of the Continental Army, but was not officially a member of the Continental Naval Fleet bastard that i know what a dickhead i know seriously fuck that guy <laughs> so, <laughs> we're fucking 200 years on and that bastard's still getting shit seriously but i mean he's no that said he's no brutus so there's that it's it but uh no it saw you know combat in well not combat thank god in the cuban For real, dude. but it saw combat deployments in vietnam um it saw combat deployments pretty much in every war we've had I mean, you got to think too, the first nuclear powered vessel that we had, that shit's going to be built to last. It's for tough, but yeah. God. I, I feel like it's, you know, it, that's going to be like the new naval standard is what we're looking yeah. for. And that's like the pride of the U S Navy Pretty much. in a sense is like, we always have the, the newest and flashiest shit. Um, but yeah, so like I said, the F-14 Tomcats are the showcases, are like they're the the true stars of, of the movie as far as the, quote, good guys go. Part and parcel alongside the Tomcat was what was known as the Northrop F-5 Tiger IIs, which were portrayed by the enemy and uh, dummy aircraft for the instructors as a MiG-28. 
Again, this is a fictitious aircraft. MiGs exist, don't get me wrong. But the MiG-28 was not a real ship. It was not a real jet. And that was used to avoid identifying an actual country as the enemy. When they when we meet them in the beginning, they have the yellow circle with the red star in the center. And then when we meet them at the end during the actual live fire fired upon combat. Um, and I think the thing that's most interesting about the uh, about the Tigers is <laughs> they were actually believed to be more maneuverable than Tomcats. And they were to a degree because obviously the Tomcats are bigger. The F5 or the F5E was a two-man pilot and was actually not designed for dogfighting. Uh, produced during the Cold War as a supersonic recon aircraft, the Tiger IIs were simple and efficient to manufacture, and it made them popular enough to spread across various airfields, but not nearly as sought after as the Tomcat. So you have these planes that are used to test the Tomcats that were never meant to see fucking combat really at all they were originally designed that way but they just were not built that like that so the u.s really had no fucking use for a light fighter and only made about uh, i think it was like 1200 t-38 talons for training purposes and that's all the ships we see in the movie every ship even the ones that are the bad guys those are top gun training aircraft yeah and um the other, you know, fun fact about Top Gun is that I couldn't get over is they put all of this focus on this trophy. Oh, I know. It does not exist no, at all. It does. There is no trophy. I mean, you literally go there for the Top Gun program. Uh, it's which is now in Fallon, but was in Miramar, which again, real program. But <laughs> that trophy nowhere. It's they make it like seem like this realistic thing and like, you know, it kind of makes sense. You would think that there would be an award for like the best team and it's just nope, nothing, not even at all. And uh, what is the fact it's if with Top Gun, if you're quoted, if you're caught quoting Top Gun. It's- <laughs> so I fucking love this shit, dude. I, I laughed so hard when I read this. If you are caught. I don't know if it's in Fallon now, but it definitely was in Miramar. If you are caught um, quoting the movie in any way, the real school will actually impose a $5 fine for anybody. Now, I don't know how often that's enforced. It really could be anybody's guess. But honestly, that shit is fucking hysterical to me. Dude, I love that. There, it's it's like uh, what it reminds me is kind of the Apollo thirteen. Well, no, is it Apollo thirteen? Apollo thirteen. Where they put all of the NASA members in the room and they're like, okay, there are ninety three yeah. errors in this. Pick them all out, and they're like graded on how many errors <laughs> they can find in the movie because the movie is such bullshit. I don't yep. think it's Apollo thirteen. No, uh, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's Space Cowboys. It's something like that. It's one of those movies where, no, 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 no. It's the one with Bruce Willis. Uh, Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. So it's, but no, Apollo 13 was actually really good in regards to realism as far as I'm aware. So there are a couple final tidbits before we jump back into the movie portion of this. Um, The U.S. military, in order to secure and maintain its secrets, only allowed the total firing of two missiles during this movie. 
any other time that a missile is fired the first the only two times we see it are actually in the dogfight and it's the two scenes right one after each other the very first time that a missile is fired from the tomcat and the scene right after when maverick fires his those are the only two real missile firings and the us the pentagon said you can do this twice and even two That's times right. was too much because they didn't want the enemy government. They didn't want governments and countries with access to this to have gainful knowledge of even just watching the movie, like operational knowledge of how the missiles worked. And to my last little note here, because I do, <laughs> I do love this shit. The standard common payload of an F 14 com uh, Tomcat is as follows. It has two AIM-54 Phoenix missiles. It carries two AIM-9 Sidewinder missiles, a payload of three AIM-7 Sparrow-3 missiles, and a full loadout of 20-millimeter ammunition meant for the M61 Vulcan Gatling gun used majorly during this movie. Missiles are used very rarely, and it's honestly, they're only used as kill shots. But the guns, they say it a lot, even in the training seminars, they're like, I'm switching to guns. The M61 Vulcan is the Gatling gun that they use on the front of the ship, uh, front of the aircraft. It's, dude, I think that was the one thing that kind of like, just as a nerd, you know what I mean? The one thing that I was kind of like, wait, what the fuck? There are two things that really bothered me about that is that one, they are way too close. Oh, I know. Actually look at like how these distances like this is like they're even too close for like World War Two distances Mm -hmm. like they are so close. And and the other thing is they really use the guns too much. I mean, as far as I'm aware, post like Korea and um, Vietnam, they pretty much don't really use guns i talked to um a friend who is in the navy that's the he doesn't want to be identified but i talked to a friend in the navy and uh as far as i'm aware the guns are pretty much just backup and more used for ground targets than they are for air-to-air combat i feel yeah you would have to think that air-to-air that doesn't make any sense at all even at that height at that speed at that power the air and wind resistance to something being fired like that is so inaccurate you would never want to be that close well, and speeds. I mean, we're talking like they talked about Twos you know, in threes. movies like I'm going supersonic. I'm supersonic like, to get there in 30 seconds. They were 250 miles away from the Enterprise when that engagement started. And it's it just it was one of those things where I was kind of like, really, man. But I get it. It's an 80s movie. No, not everybody's a nerd like yeah. Me. I mean, well, and that's why I was fine with it. I'm not going to nitpick on that shit. You know what else was really fucking weird to me was like the just and I forgot because I haven't really watched this movie like with a critical eye in a while. And I'm using this word ironically, but this movie is ballistically emotional for no fucking reason out of nowhere. Like the whole point of this movie, like you get heartfelt and sappy out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Okay. And here's the weird thing. So we're back on the movie now. Here's the thing that weirded me out is like this is later on in the movie are we supposed to go chronologically no 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 it's whatever we're wherever you are So here's the thing like so he gets told so we have this scene where he goes to viper right and uh he's talking to him and he's like trying to encourage him to graduate with the oh you mean when he's like already walked out he goes to viper's house yeah 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 yeah. and they're walking outside and he's like 
know, he tells him the real story about his dad and that his dad was really a hero and like, you know, but he could, it, nobody could know because, you know, it, it's insinuated that they were in Laos or Cambodia or one of the countries that wasn't Vietnam because they're, they're talking about Vietnam. They don't they say totally Vietnam, are. they're talking about Vietnam. The timelines just add up. Yeah. And he like hardly reacts at all. Dude, he, I know. He is to like, he has these super emotional reactions like other times, but here he is being told that his dad is a fucking hero and the guy that has been training him was with his dad on that day. This is supposed to be like a huge interaction and it immediately gets pushed to the side. It's just like, your dad was a fucking hero. Now go back and graduate from Top Gun. Here's the other thing that pisses me off about that guy. This guy made me mad because we have a scene with Tom Cruise. He has my favorite call sign name and he like, he pisses, he pisses Andrew off so bad. Like that drives me nuts, dude. So he's in his, so we have a scene after Goose dies, right? Which I have a huge fucking problem with. We'll get back to that that in a sec. But you mean him making him get back in the saddle and shit? We have yeah no exactly this dude Goose is dead for like it's insinuated he's been dead for like like a day because he literally walks in and is like Goose is dead and he's like I know and so this is insinuated that it's very close to that moment right and he's just like fucking get over it and then he leaves I I'm know. like dude what a fucking piece of shit I'm like what asshole would do this like. Dude, they let me clarify. If to be this fair, is Tom's character is like emotionless the entire movie. So here's the thing: if this is like World War II or like you know Vietnam, right? They are in the shit, or it's like fucking Ukraine right now. They're in the shit, and like they they have to like keep flying. It's one thing to go in and be like, "Listen, we need you. We cannot have you." I need you to get your shit together. Yeah, yeah. What happened is not your fault. We need to keep moving. Like, that's one thing, right? They're not at war. They're, like, chilling. Like, it is very... They specifically state in the movie, it is not wartime. So they are not at war. They're just chilling. And he's literally like, quit being a bitch. Pull your fucking pants up and fucking keep moving. I'm like, bro, his best friend just fucking died and he thinks it's his fault. Well, and that's the thing. At that point in the scene, he hasn't even had the hearing yet. Like he he doesn't even know if it was his fault, if he could have avoided the jet wash, if he had been able to pull the first of all, that's the other thing that pisses me off. Um, the Rio is not the only person that can pull canopy. I don't no. get the design of the Tomcat well, too much, but why is it a hundred percent on him? It's not I well, okay, so I thought that was actually kind of ambiguous because I did watch that and uh Tom Cruise says I can't reach I can't reach, the, uh, yeah. So I don't know if that means he can't reach his or just both of theirs or just both of theirs, which here's the thing. The way that their ejection handles are generally designed, they're directly below your feet. Right. So like, I mean, at the base of your seat, because your whole seat comes out. It's not just you. Your whole seat goes out. So he reaches. So all it's built the way it is so that you don't have to move your hands up. Which he couldn't do. That was the whole point. Like he's stuck to the window. So here's the thing. The reason it's built like that is so if you're in a high G unrecoverable situation, your, your arms are already being forced down. You don't have to like lift up. You don't have to do anything like that. And I'm as far as I'm aware, I couldn't find anything, but I tried to look this up. I couldn't find anything, but as as far as I'm aware, that was already in place for the F-14 Tomcat. Yeah. So I don't know what the fuck that was. That's just a small detail, but it's one of those things where I was like, dude, 
Now, uh, this is where I'm going to bring up the other problem I have with that scene. This is just a continuity thing, but at no point during that whole scene do they show them above water until they hit the water. Oh, until they hit the water. I know. That's actually something I had a major problem with, too, because they are in the mountains. They make one reference to the fact that they're over the water right before they eject. So uh, I can't remember what his name is um, or his call sign is, but he specifically says, oh, they're going over the water. Oh, it's Iceman calls it a Wolfman gives them their position at zero nine zero and says that they're spinning out to sea. Right. So he says that, but like you at no point before that, can you even see the the water? Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) dude. And by the time they pick them up, it's clear they're like deep. Oh, there, there's no land around them. Yeah, they've got a helicopter. It's, it's, you know, they don't make it clear how long they've been out there. We, we know realistically, it's like, you know, they've been in the water for like five seconds, and they've just got the helicopter landing. Yeah, but I still, mean, if you think about it, Iceman called the called the mayday long enough. For them to have gotten over the water, yeah. yeah no, I would get that. But no, I mean for for Coast Guard like, to get out there, that he the mayday would have been called with enough time for the, and you would have to think they're on alert, right? Like, yeah, but it still takes a few minutes for a helicopter to take off. Oh That's well, sure. Like, especially if it's turbine powered, which most helicopters these days well, are. That one was that was an HM fifty three. Yeah, so it takes time for the turbines to spin up, for the you know rotors to start moving. They have to do the pre flight checks. So I'm, but that doesn't bother me that, that I don't care. That's just a stupid little thing. The, it's just one of those things for like huge nerds like me, right? Like, I don't care. I'm a helicopter nerd, whatever. But it genuinely, they're like, dude, they're at no point they show them over the water. And then you, but you know, they had access to the water because they were on the enterprise. So it's like, couldn't you have filmed like one second of them over the water and just put that in there? (laughs) Edit that in. Like it's that it's such a small thing that for them to do. It's like they probably have had like not hundreds of hours, but a fuckload of hours of footage over the water. Put in like five seconds of it right before that scene, and we're good, dude. Yeah, we're but solid. For me, I'm like, and I'm not a huge stickler for that kind of stuff normally. But when it's that big of a continuity error, I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's just stupid. So, like, literally in my notes is how the fuck did they get over the water? <laughs> how did they get here? Well, and, yeah. like, it's even weirder to me is that they choose to not have Maverick cry at all. It just, that's so weird to me. No. Okay. So, like, that makes sense. I mean, to me, that makes sense because it shows that he's, like, emotionally closed off. And, like, you know, it's supposed to be, re- you know, related to the whole thing with his dad. And he's, like, all this kind of thing. Right. But then we we have no character development then. The only character development we have is that he's now friends with Iceman and he lets Merlin Rio for him at the, in the final fight. And here's the other thing that's, that's bullshit. Like, okay, look, if he's not going to cry, that's fine. Like that's, that's, I get that for his character, right? What bothered me was this again relates back to like, for me, that's probably because of this whole thing with his dad. And like, they barely talk about it at the beginning of the movie, but it's like, oh, I wouldn't, you know, want his dad and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Would you trust him? Because he's his kid. Would you trust him being your I know. Well, I just don't know. All this kind of shit. And then they allude to that at the beginning of the movie. And then again, at the end, it's supposed to be this big thing when he finds out that his dad's a badass and he just doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a shit, man. It's Yeah, I'm actually with you on that one. That is fucking weird. It's, dude. So here's my problem with it. And this is directly related to the composition of the movie. I... 
I think that they shoehorned in all the love scene. Oh, they totally did. So I actually have an answer for that. Okay, go for it. So when they had originally entered or gotten the song, Take My Breath Away, they were just intending to use it for the love scene, but it became, it was such a bop that they were like, they were like, bro, we got to put this in like for longer. So they started adding romance scenes and shit. Like the part where they're driving down Harbor Island on the motorcycle after they sing Great Balls of Fire. That right. wasn't originally part of the song, and or that wasn't originally part of the movie. Neither was the part where she requotes Meg Ryan, um, and is like, "Take me to bed or lose me forever," which I gotta tell you guys again, like this is one of the worst transi- transitions, unless you know how movie formulas work. That is the height of happiness for every character in that in the movie right now. So you know we are about to be rocket dropped back to fucking reality real quick this movie is completely like a two separate movies for me it really kind of is there is the air combat there's the the action there's the um you know scenes where he interacts with his uh you know fellow members of the navy there's all that kind of scene and then there's this weird awkward like romance thing and like they shoehorn that in so awkwardly that it takes you out of the movie. It kind of does, dude. You're watching the movie and then you're like, okay, so this is like, uh, you know, they, they project it as this like, you know, badass, like, you know, uh, fighter movie, right? Or he's right. a fighter pilot and he's this badass. And it's like, dude, okay. I understand if you want a romance subplot, I completely understand you you know, want to attract, this is the eighties, right? So they're thinking we got to have a love scene to get the women. In. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, you're, you're setting up my next spot so well right now. Yeah. And it's, so the thing is like, and you know, first off, we already have the shirtless volleyball scene, bro. Okay. Seriously, before you even go any further, this is another sweaty scene. And that one's it's the so only sweaty. one that, that fuck. It's the only one that fucking makes sense. It is the, only one they're all glistening in this and it's like okay there that makes sense when they're sitting in a classroom and they've got like beads of sweat on their face i'm like oh yeah when he tells slider that he stinks and she gives him his phone number her phone number and shit she's the only one not perspiring what's you know that gif of uh i can't remember it's key or peel where he's That's he's like, just literally just like dripping like or no it's jordan peel. jordan peel and he's just like sweating so much just running off his face or like airplane if you watch that like that's a good movie too they are that level sweaty the entire fucking movie and it's just like dude can you like chill like maybe maybe like drink a glass of water or something dude like anybody just grab these guys like some water bottles just have that shit like it's so it's just so i struggle or like i shudder to use the word gross because it's almost there but it's like still like okay this is in the summertime and they're on the tarmac a lot. That kind of makes sense. But even still, you, it's noticeable enough for, that we have to make the comment. If you're, if they're in the plane, it's like, and they're in middle of combat. It's like, oh hell yeah. Like that makes complete sense. I'd feel like bad if he wasn't sweaty. Yeah. If they're on the, you know, uh, the tarmac makes complete sense. Yeah. But it's like, they'll be inside and it's just, they're so glistening. It's like, dude, Oh my God, how many showers do these people need to take a day? 
Like if I if I sweat that much, I would coat my body in antiperspirant just to be like less gross. Okay, so this is my next segue, or this this perfect segue. <laughs> this movie has something for literally everybody. Anybody that says that this movie is just a guy's movie genuinely has not seen the volleyball scene or dude, I didn't realize until this watch through how many just blatantly almost nude shower scenes there are in this movie or post shower scenes. It's like insane to me. It is nonstop eye candy. As Lindsay would put it, smoke show city. Like, I don't know what the message of that is. Like, what, who, who, why? (laughs) Well, seriously, what I think it is, is I I straight up think it's the same thing with the love scene is they, this is the eighties. Okay. So very different time from now. Okay. So they are thinking that women are not interested in any movie that does not have a romance or be like sexy looking dudes. So. That is, I think that's all they care about. So I, and while that's fucked up, again, you have to look at it in context. And this is 1986. Like, you know, yes, this is not the forties, but like they had not exactly become progressive yet. Okay. Oh no. I think, I think that's probably it. And it does not work in my opinion. Every romance scene really does not fit and you have very aggressive transitions between the two so i i actually have to agree with you i honestly i think the only reason that it doesn't work for me is because her romantic feelings for tom cruise just hers are natural she wants to hear about the mig for this promotion she's gunning for at the pentagon that makes sense tom cruise is literally just looking for a piece of ass when they first meet her. Yeah, he's a scumbag, like fuckboy. Like that's that's literally it. And he does not show any real emotional connection to her, except for like the bar scene and the the drive along Harbor Island. That's yeah, that's it. That's it. Because he after Goose dies, he pushes her away immediately, dude. And that's okay. So here's the here's the problem with that. By that point in the movie, they are already emotionally established. Oh, it's yeah. already clear that they have an emotional relationship. So this sh- this movie is not how you do romance. It's shoehorned in and it makes the whole fucking movie worse. It just feels weird, right? Like like I dude, I don't know why I can't I can't tell you why, but it feels fucky. Like it feels wrong because yeah. like you have this super powerful like badass woman right who's works for the pentagon she's got a top secret security clearance bad bitch right and then you have this fuck boy boy. who just like (laughs) he's good like he's yeah he's don't get me wrong he's a badass right like he is like undisputed that he's a badass but he's a huge fuck boy and this woman is like hella intelligent complete badass worked her ass off to get to where she is and this dude is like a fuckboy and he's sexist and he like kind of gives off like i'm not gonna say the word because i don't know if you guys do like trigger warnings or whatever but like r wordy like oh he's, yeah like he like when he tr- corners her in the bathroom i like that made me that so honestly makes bit. me like yeah dude i'm gonna be honest with you like this is me 
just flat out saying it. It feels like we are on a razor's edge of feeling rapey. Yeah, like, that's, it so that's really what I was does. trying to do. No, no, I know. So and the it, only reason I'm okay saying that is because when we were talking about um, Back to the Future, we also had to discuss this. Okay, so that's the thing. Okay, so that is incredibly uncomfortable for me. So I'm watching that and I'm like, and I can't help but feel like women in the 80s were probably like, dude, if some dude followed me into a bathroom, I would either, I don't know if people carried around mace back then, but I know my mom carried a snub nose 357. So she probably would have been like, what's good, motherfucker? Like, fuck out of here. Like, dude, like, I can't help but be like, or some other woman would have noticed a dude going into the I female know. bathroom and it would have been like 10 girls in there like, the fuck are you doing in here, you fucking piece of shit? For real. like, And like, it's hella packed, bro. Like, There's there's servicemen everywhere. Well, okay, You're so going to tell me she's the, the only woman in the bathroom? That's the scene of that movie. They're in a bar and the woman's bathroom is completely empty. I'm like, I've never been to a bar where there isn't a line. Oh, no. Seriously. And it's, it's clearly right at the height of nightlife. There's women everywhere hanging on all these servicemen. There's servicemen hanging out with their friends and shit. Um, first of all, not even first of all, like eighth but of I all. Just, hold on. I just want to bring this back to like, because this is a relatively serious topic. So it's like, I'm just, we're going to bring this down real quick. So that is like, just to finish off my thought, I think since it starts out that way in a very uncomfortable way for me, that sets the whole tone of the movie wrong for me because I think any woman in that position would look at that dude and be like, Oh, this guy's a fucking creep. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I wish Lindsay was here because I would love to know what she thinks. And I'm going to be asking her after she listens to this. Yeah. Because they're going to look at this guy and, and be like, dude, this guy is like borderline sexual assault. Like he followed me into a fucking bathroom. Like, so yeah. this that whole thing happens and it, it just gets completely washed over. And again, I understand it's eighties different time, but it's like, dude, it, it, so yeah. that ruined the whole romance aspect for me. And I all it's already shoehorned in and then add that on top of it. And that just fucked that whole thing up for me. I, it really did. And like the other, the last thing I'm going to say about it too is there, there's just, this is, one of the few movies where like it genuinely blows my mind when people say that they've never seen it. I mean, it's a cultural icon. It is, but like, and I get it. Like I can understand when people like, if you ask someone like, Hey, are you like fans of military movies? This saving private Ryan, this shit that people comes up. No one's going to be like, Oh yeah, dude, I love military movies like Sicario and tears of the sun. No one says that shit. God, Sicario was so good. I'll be honest with that. Um, But I think what's crazy is most people look over those aspects of the movie because it is constantly touted as an act a guy's action movie so i think that's why like watching this now with a critical eye it's just so fucking weird and uncomfortable to watch i actually honest to god dude forgot he follows her into the bathroom it's so brushed over but ultimately the movie like as a whole to me is really dope action scenes with really shitty scenes between it yeah i do like some of the scenes with his uh you know combat associates with his fellow pilots with his uh commanders various stuff like that That, right that's okay but 
if they had added a secondary subplot or maybe extended the movie by him grieving about uh, Goose and talking to the wife and like, you know, maybe. Oh, yeah. If she had stuck around for more than like three seconds. By the way, guys, if you weren't aware, this is one of Meg Ryan's first movies. Right. Uh, and if she is like, and if it had been a thing where he feels responsible and he's like, yeah. I want to take care of you and I want to take care of your son. Like I, like I feel so responsible for this. Like, and he had like, I don't care if he fucking listen, it's not even about him crying. It's about like a lot of military men. When stuff happens, it's like, I'm responsible. This is my, this is my problem. He was my Rio. They are very like mission oriented. Right. And believe me, I know that's how I deal with my fucking family. That's how I am. I am very mission oriented because that's how I was raised. So it's like, if I was in his position again, never served, but I, you know, if I guarantee you, my brother would be the same. It's like, this is my responsibility. I need to do everything I can to take care of this family. And he just sees her and like kind of fucks off. And like, I understand it's not his fault, but like, and he, but he feels like it is. And he still just kind of like goes sees her and then fucks off. There are so many aspects of this movie that were just really big failures in yeah. other departments. So that's my problem with this movie. It is so good in in what it does in regards to the action uh, for the time, but it's also like really bad in between, in my opinion. Yeah. Like I dude, I I I feel like I'm being harsher on this movie than I maybe should be, but it's like when I rewatched it and I I finished the movie 15 minutes before we started this. Yeah. So I could be like completely fresh, right? Mm-hmm. And thank you for getting fresh for me, Andrew. It I, I know, right? I had to <laughs> take a shower after I got out of my trash can, man. It was weird. You were but, all sweaty from this movie. It's vicarious. I, I was listening the entire time. I was like <laughs> Dude, I wanted to turn on the air conditioning I because know. I was like, is this making me sweatier? But <laughs> no, it's it's just one of those things where it it really is a movie that could have been so much better, in my opinion, if it hadn't been let down by scenes that I feel like and I genuinely believe were shoehorned in by the studio because they wanted to attract a female demographic. Yeah. And it's just... Dude, it, it's just one of those things where it's another movie, in my opinion, fucked up by the studio. <laughs> We're going to jump into the fun facts here because one of the fun facts is actually something we talked about earlier. Um, and then I'm going to I'm going to jump us into ratings. But the most notable fun fact is that this was the most successful Navy recruitment video ever created. Part like honestly, like dollars to donuts, you have to understand this movie was not made with that intent. It was made for people who have always loved fighter jets. Um, I believe Tony Scott's actual quote was it's for wheat farmers in Kansas who love these movies, but I've never gotten to fly a, <laughs> a fucking Tomcat. And so basically the, the Navy did really set up recruitment booths outside of movie theaters. And in the wake of this movie's release saw a 500% increase to signups in the Navy. Like I genuinely cannot think of any other movie that I have ever heard of that would inspire someone to join the armed forces as much as this movie, because every other movie that comes to mind shows the truth and the grit and the horrors of war. 
right? Like you have Black Hawk Down, you have Saving Private Ryan, you have Sicario, you have, I mean, Sicario's not yeah, really a Sicario war movie, is, but is its own you thing. get it. It's, I'd say that's more about like the CIA and like spoofs yeah. and stuff like that. But then you get like 13 Hours, Benghazi, stuff like that. But then you have stuff like uh, the uh, literally the only movie that came to mind when I was thinking about this was uh, the Ashton Kutcher and Kevin Costner Coast Guard film, The Guardian. That's the only movie that I could think of that made sense that someone would be like, dude, that looks pretty dope. Like I would kind of want to join the Coast Guard. Shout out to the Coast Guard. They get shit on by, you know, people who are military. They're They're the Aquaman. uh, They're the Aquaman of the military justice league. But in the line of my fun facts, before I get us into uh, starting to get out of here, I do have a lot of like hysterical shit. Um, and one that actually blew my mind. Um, so Anthony Edwards, the actor who played Goose, is the only actor that did not throw up in the cockpit. Out of all of them, Tom Cruise threw up twice. Actually, Val Kilmer threw up. Um, actually, Tom Cruise only agreed to do the movie after Ridley or after Tony Scott agreed or like convinced him to take a test flight with one of the operators. I dude Ridley Scott. There's a fucking alien in the in the F-14. So I didn't know that either. Tony Scott is Ridley Scott's brother, and Tony Scott. Wait, it, 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 I'm dead serious. And this is what's even more bonkers. Tom Cruise came to Tony Scott's attention after Ridley Scott made the movie Legend. That is so weird. Yeah, that's crazy to me because these are two completely different movies we're discussing now. I didn't touch on Legend uh during the timeline because it is a bonkers terrible movie like if you guys like high fantasy i highly recommend it because it's got tim curry who plays literal satan he's just called lord darkness in the movie but he's he's fucking satan but i yeah so (laughs) that's how tom cruise came to be on tony scott's radar no pun intended i'm still blown away the fact that the guy who directed this movie is ridley scott's brother that's it's insane fucking wild it's fucking crazy what's even what's even more wild to me is that the not really the theme but like the pseudo theme for this movie is everybody knows it's it's kenny Loggins' danger zone if you're fans of archer you know danger zone but before kenny Loggins was actually signed to do the song it was a battle with the studio between either toto and ario speedwagon the fuck dude yeah hearing that i'm just like that would have been some of the shittiest differences like can you imagine just going to watch this also they tried really hard to get born in the usa as the like danger zone of the movie but they couldn't legally get it so they just decided to write a different movie or like write a different song and thank god they did because i feel like this movie would be awful with born in the usa it just yeah, didn't fit totally. as much. It doesn't have that like hard, like we're taking off, like, holy shit. Yeah, dude, the soundtrack didn't, the soundtrack, soundtrack did bumps. Look really well. Yeah, the soundtrack slaps, dude. Kenny Loggins has like three songs on this. Actually, fun fact for you guys, because you know that I am a huge fan of scores. The full film score for this movie has actually never been released. If you try, if you buy the CD or if you listen to it on Spotify, where you can find our podcast, you actually only see two songs from him and it's the like actual top gun theme song and then it's uh the the emotional like memories song when the song that plays when uh he acknowledges that goose died 
So those are the only two songs, but there is an actual like full score out there somewhere that has never been released. Um, and then last but not least, and I cannot believe I didn't know this. Top Gun is touted as being the film that started the home theater collection. Thanks to the ad space purchased by Pepsi Cola, VHS tapes of the film were priced to own immediately upon release. Back in the day, VHS tapes were originally agreed to be released for $100 a piece to video stores like Blockbuster and Home Video. If anybody's listening to this who's younger than 30, (laughs) like Blockbuster and Home Video were our Netflix. God, I hate you. I know, dude. Make me feel so fucking old. Seriously, dude. Like, I fucking hate it. Um, But yeah, it's crazy. Like, and I I distinctly remember there were movies that my grandmother had. She had Indiana Jones. She had the three box VHS set of Indiana Jones trilogy. And she had the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman on VHS. And both of these movies had Pepsi ads on them. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. There's fucking ads on VHS tapes. Like that never, that never crossed my mind to uh, as weird until I got Wait, this. So like, what do you mean? At, like at the beginning or like on the box? No. So on, in the beginning, it is a filmed commercial on the VHS. I remember them distinctly. The Indiana Jones one has this woman get up from the couch right as they start the movie to grab her and her husband a soda. And she walks into the fridge. And, or she walks into the kitchen and pulls two Pepsis from the fridge. And then the kitchen splits apart like it's the ball scene from the beginning of Raiders. And in a shadow of Indiana Jones grabs her with his whip and pulls her across the chasm that's inexplicably now been created in her kitchen and swings her back onto the couch in the living room where she's holding two icy Pepsis. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck? Now that I'm thinking about this, these are just so dumb. I remember like the pre-VHS, like, you know, they would have the trailers and stuff. Oh, like that. yeah. Like, I don't remember the I remember the Disney ones coming soon to own on VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Those those stuck over to DVDs. Yeah, didn't they they? Did. yeah. They you had them on like stuff like uh Polar Express had them. All the Disney Diamond and Vault Edition had them on there. And then you had, oh, dude, then you had the dope ass nostalgia thing. The we're all here with Disney. And it started off with like Peter Band going, here we go. And it showed a fuckload oh, of yeah. ass scenes. And I was like, oh my God, dude, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it right now. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Dude, yeah. But the only other, the only other uh, fun fact, and it's because we were talking about this earlier, um, is. When Tom Cruise is retelling his hilarious and harrowing interaction at the beginning of the movie during the inversion scene with the MiG-28, and he says, because I was an inverted, Val Kilmer's bullshit cough was 100% ad-libbed. If you pay attention to everybody else in that scene, they all genuinely start losing their shit because no one knew he was going to say that. They're all (laughs) laughing their asses off. Dude, Val Kilmer is one of those guys that plays like a fuck boy so well and like yeah exactly he just plays that so well but uh you know honestly as like he's the pseudo villain he really is he has one white cat away from being a super villain yeah i thought he i thought he did a great job i i think he's not really a villain he's just like the tell it like it is i he totally of honestly aside from maverick he's the only one that actually warrants his call sign 
He's the, you know what he is? He is the like anime ex-best friend that like joined the bad side, but is also going to like come back to the good side because secretly he has a good heart. Yep. Like he's Vegeta. That that's, that's him. Yeah. He's our Vegeta. He's our Kaiba. He's our, yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't exactly. even say he's Gary from Pokemon because Gary is a fucking douche. <laughs> You're such a piece of shit. <laughs> such a fucking asshole. We can't get on this right now. I know. Anyway, so yeah, I want to get we're gonna get into grades here and then we're gonna get us out of here. Um, so I actually having had this discussion with you genuinely now, uh thinking about like the bathroom scene and everything that happens with Kelly McGillis and shit. I changed my grade. Originally I had it at a nine out of ten. But thinking about this and realizing that there are just weirdly odd gaps in the storytelling here, I had to drop it down to a seven point eight. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, guys. Like this is a staple of the '80s, just as much as Back to the Future or Ghostbusters are, and it's summed up perfectly as Tony Scott described it when he was releasing it to everybody. It was it was literally it's just described as a popcorn flick. It's just an '80s yeah. action flick. That like from the cinematography to the dialogue to the music, this movie is just an action popcorn movie. But diving deeper into this, having discussed this, it is just fucking weird now that there are things that people don't talk about in this yeah that's the thing so like for me i'm gonna give it a six and let me clarify so for anybody watching this or not watching listening thank god you're not watching i know Uh, you don't want to see weird but um i had to clear out most of the cans but Mm. so for those who have not watched this i re and for those who have and have very like you know intense opinions about it i understand yeah it is like genuinely like there are parts of this movie that are really fucking good like the the problem is i kind of alluded to this earlier but it's it's two movies it's not it really is it is the military movie where it's like you have the you know you have maverick he's the loose cannon you know he has to learn that you know, he needs his wingman. He needs to learn that to respect the uh, the orders. He needs to learn to, you know, work with the team. And then you have this weird, like, romance movie yeah. that's, like, really uncomfortable, like, in between. And they do not transition well. And it's just, to me, if... If you have seen the, if you, again, if you haven't, I do think you should watch this. I agree. If I'm never going to tell people not to watch this, but now watching this, I do have a different eye on this movie. I really do think you should watch this. If you have not, do watch it. Just understand that if you fast forward through the romance parts, I understand. Yeah. Honestly, I don't, (laughs) this is the, this is what I mean by their two separate movies. You will not lose anything. Yeah, you don't. So you can skip the entire parts of these of all of these romance scenes, and you won't lose anything with the plot. Actually, I'm thinking about it right now, dude. If you cut out all of the out of the academy Kelly McGillis scenes, she has she has no impact on this movie. No, I'm literally thinking about that right now. She has absolutely no fucking impact on this movie overall. No, not, not at all. And the, it's a shame. I feel like they could have done like a romance better. They could have done like, I don't think that the romance is out of place in the movie in the sense that a romantic subplot should not be in this movie. It's executed poorly. That's the thing is it's, 
So it's it's a weird thing where I feel like they fucked that up so bad that it ruins the rest of the movie. So if you had had movie A, which is the military right. movie, that would have been a not like a nine out of ten, fucking full badass nine point five out of ten. Like this is dope. Like you know he needs to understand to work with his team, all this kind of stuff. There is a full layer of like emotional aspects to this that he needs to work on. If the big emotional climax of the movie was him figuring out that his dad wasn't a piece of shit and that, you know, his dad died heroically and all this kind of stuff. And it like hits him and he's like re you know, he's suddenly back. Reborn as like a badass and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he like, you know, there's some thing where he like goes to his dad's grave and he's like, you know, I'll make you proud. Like, cause it's the 80s, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it has to be cheesy. <laughs> so it's like he goes and he's like, I'll make you proud, dad. Like he's, you know, like I'll be the pilot you you could have been, and then goes out and fucking, you know, Merc's Migs. Yeah. Like, then this is a dope movie. And then but if you there's movie two, which is this which is really the movie we got awkward. No, no, no. This is we got movie one, you know, a point B, like, <laughs> boy, in one. the middle. Like we then there's movie two, which is this weird, really uncomfortable romance between like a mildly rapey fuck boy yeah. and a really intelligent, badass woman that does not fit at all. Yeah. That movie's like a two. So you combine them and you just end up with like a six because it's like, dude, why did you fuck this up? And I really had super high opinions of this movie until I rewatched it. I know, dude, I'm kind of like super disillusioned right now. I'm not disillusioned because again, you and I view things very differently. (laughs) That's well, no, you and I view things very differently. And that's, you know, that's the thing. That's why I don't run a nostalgia podcast is because for me, I view things very critically almost always. So when I look at something from the past, I don't, I'm not going to like let it get away with certain shit. Right. Yeah. But there, there's, there are which is okay now here's the weird thing like if i'll let 50s movies get away with shit but weirdly (laughs) i won't let like 80s movies get away with shit because i'm like no 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 too soon so it's like 80s movies i won't let it get away with shit but like 50s movies i'm like that is so far removed from reality everybody was high on like amphetamines and like (laughs) fucking drunk all the time and like the 50s were fucking weird man i don't know what the hell was going on there forcing judy garland to smoke and drink and shit yeah yeah i know it's like what the fuck but like the 50s were a different world i let them get away with shit but like 80s i I just can't like it's too soon like no i feel that no realistically it was a long time ago but like dude i was only born five years after this movie came out yeah like it's not that i i'm 30 yeah but 30 is not old as fuck like they should have known better i feel like for a lot of this stuff they were probably doing a shitload of blow because it was the 80s <laughs> they kind of <laughs> fucked this up probably so like that's my opinion again i really do think you should watch it if you're a fan of uh you know action movies especially like more corny action movies from the 80s like if you watch if you like the terminator you should probably watch this but yeah, that's my that's my thoughts. Uh, good movie, should watch. It's I think it's better than the score I gave it, which sounds weird, yeah. but it, you know, with all the explanation, it makes sense. Well, Andrew, as always, thank you so much for coming on. I had a lot of fun being totally blown away by the differences this movie has shown me as I've gotten older. And Andrew, where can they find you on the internet? Where do you exist on the internet? I don't exist on the internet. I actually live in a trash can under a bridge. So if you want to just check your local overpass, that's uh, your most likely chase to find me. 
probably around somewhere. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay. Uh, well, you heard it here live recorded, guys. Thank you so much for that, Andrew. But yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. And thank you guys so much for listening. As always, thank you again for you know for joining us. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves and definitely learned something. Um, please be sure to join us next week. We're going to be doing Morbius, The Living Vampire with Jared Leto. It's coming out April 1st. We're going to have our episode out that following Monday with all our spoiler goodies. Uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social medias. You can find those links to our sites and social medias in the episode description. If you'd like to support the podcast, we'd love you forever. And we encourage you to follow us on Patreon or check out the websites for all the timeline goodies past present and future and if you want to do me one final favor stay nerdy